Hey, what's up, everybody? How you guys doing today? Good to have you here. Also, shout out our online audience. Can we hear for everybody joining us around the world, our online campus? What's up? We're so glad you are with us. Hey, before I dive into my message, I want to highlight what you just saw in the video, which is our men's conference. All the fellas in the house, let me get your ears for a minute. We are going to do a men's conference. We do it every year. It's coming up, and I'm telling you, it's going to be great food. We're going to have a lot of fun. We have an amazing speaker coming. We have a guest worship team. Uh, we have a lot of uh, giveaways. I'm asking. I'm inviting. I'm telling you, we want you to be here. It's for you. Um, if you've been here very long, you know we don't do lame. We don't do boring. We don't do like that kind of stuff. This is a conference for dudes, okay? So fellas, register. Don't wait till the last minute. We want you there. Cool. Anybody with me? Anybody fired up? Yeah, let's go. Like, I'm inviting you. Like, guys, make this. A, it's not even 24 hours. Can I talk to the ladies for a minute? Ladies, if you will bring your boyfriend or you will bring your husband, we will return them at least 5% better than what you dropped them off at. Probably more like 20 or 30%. So um, I know you're the one that runs the calendar. You probably run the budget. You run the money. Uh, it's not that expensive. Just bring them, and we'll return them better than you brought them to us, okay? So there you go. There you go. Um, it's going to be great. Now, so I'll say this. It's going to be, this is, I think this will be the best men's conference we've ever had. Uh, and so you need a good reason not to be there. Now, in the event your first child is being born during our men's conference, we also have fantasy football coming up in a few weeks, and you don't want to miss out on that because there's awesome uh, time for that as well. So, um, fellas, we got stuff for you. Um, there's so much I want to say right now, but I don't know if I... So growing up in church as a dude, I felt like some of the dude stuff was like girl stuff, and they put men's logos on it. Um, we don't do that here. So if you're like, ah, oh, what's it going to be like? If you don't like it, we will personally refund your money, and we'll give you a gift card. There you go. Like, men's director's right there. And he's like, I don't have a budget for that. Uh, that's all right. Uh, we'll figure it out. So, hey, we're, we're in a series called Weird. By the way, if you're here for the first time, so glad you're with us. Um, if you're joining us online from wherever you're at, we're so glad that you are with us. You are a part of an online audience from uh, almost all over the world, so we're glad you're with us. We're doing a series called Weird, and we kicked it off last week. We're going to take four weeks as we kind of launch into our fall. It's a, kind of a great reset time where we're looking at this idea of being weird, um, and not being weird for weird's sake, but weird because last week we kind of all agreed, I gave you some opportunities to, to push back, and you guys all kind of agreed that normal just isn't really working. Now, I'm sure most of us have been around. We've seen long enough. We've seen some weird stuff, right? Like I, I get to travel the world. I get to go some other places. When I, I, when I go to other countries, I expect to see things that are outside of my norm because that's just normal to them. But I'm telling you some of the weirdest stuff I've seen were in the United States of America. Like, I mean, New York, Dallas, I, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated when I go to different parts of the country, um, whether it's California or like West Virginia, North Carolina or Dallas or like uh, Idaho, what's normal in some places is weird in another, right? Like again, like about a while ago, I was just in Southern California. What's normal to them is not normal to Southern Florida. Like, I don't know if you know that. Uh, and so it's, it's very different. And so what I find is interesting about this word weird, though, is it's kind of subjective, right? Like what's weird to one person might be weird to another. And so we're not talking about being weird just to be weird. We're not talking about weird to be iconic or ironic, but we're talking about being weird in a God way. Somebody say weird. Weird. And so Jesus, we're looking at the whole, the whole premise of this, these four weeks are the words of Jesus uh, in, in his first message recorded in the Bible, Matthew chapter 7. He said this, and remember, this is a give and take, so you can holler back at me. I'm going to ask you to, to, to participate with me. Jesus said this, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road. Somebody say broad. Broad, broad is a road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. 
And then he goes on in verse 14 and he says, but small is the gate and narrow, somebody say narrow, narrow. is the road that leads to life, but few find it. And so Jesus is, is giving this contrast, this kind of dichotomy of there's this big giant road and the broad gate and there's a ton of people on it and they're all going the same direction and it's just normal. But the problem is where it goes. A lot of people are on it and they're all heading the same direction. But at the end, it's like the little lemmings game, which most of you are too young to, to, to remember. But at some point, they all just walk off the cliff. Like it leads to destruction. But he says, there's also this other road. It's narrow. It's, it's smaller. Everybody's invited, but only few actually find it. But this one leads to life. And, and what's really interesting is this idea of normal is, and, and this big wide road. Jesus is inviting us off this wide normal road onto this narrower, weird road. Why? Because he wants us to be weird and, and he just wants us to suffer? No, 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 no. Because of where it goes. See, I think too infrequently in our lives, as we're creating habits, behaviors, we set our schedule, we set our budget, we, we evaluate our marriage or whatever, I don't know that we do a good enough job of asking the question, so where is this taking us? Where is this going? Because the normal road is going to be packed with a ton of people and they want you with them. But the problem is, where does it go? Destruction. Well, where does the, 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 the narrow path go? Life, joy, peace, loving yourself, loving other people, contentment, even joy and contentment in the middle of hard times. There's this road and Jesus is saying, I, have, I want you to be on this road. But there's some interesting things. So last week we introduced this idea that there's normal and there's weird. And, and there's so many people on this normal road that anybody's on this other road, what do the normal people call them? We're just going to be weird. We're going to be different. And so we said last week, uh, we, we kind of agreed just normal isn't working. Normal finances is in debt, check to check, fighting over finances. Normal schedule is always racing to the next thing. Never enough time for the important things. No margin. We're all stressed and it's frantic and, and, and whatever. Normal marriage is at least a 50% divorce rate. Those who don't get divorced, it's not happy. There's no, there's no life in it. They're staying married for the kids. They, they don't really enjoy each other. Uh, normal relationships are, are just constantly just talking and dysfunctional. Normal parenting is, is tolerating kids because they're in the way of our dreams, but we like, like some of the things that go with marriage. And so they came and um, versus like intentionally pouring into kids and going, I'm going to raise a generation that's going to contribute to society and make the world a better place. And we all just kind of agreed that normal just wasn't, isn't working. Normal isn't working. And, and Jesus doesn't want us to be, there's no cookie cutter weird. He has a unique weird for you. And that's where he doesn't just want um, a belief system or religious activity, but he's interested in a personal relationship with you where he'll speak to you and your weird might look different than somebody else's weird. Last week, I talked a little bit about our weird uh, from our dating, my wife and I, to our marriage. Um, and, and so like the, the goal isn't to go, well, gosh, um, Corey said uh, uh, two kids and homeschool. We have five kids, so we need to get rid of three of them. We need to get them out of public school. Like that's not, like, that's not the goal. Uh, the goal is not to be, it's, it's what is the Lord telling us about how we are to follow him in this day and age. And so your weird could look different. Some of you, your weird might be to, to live below your means so you can give away extra. Some of you might be to buy a bigger house, not to have a bigger house, but so you can foster or adopt children. For some of you, it might be to start a business so you can support or go on more missions trips. Some of you, it might just be in public to pray for meals. For some of you, your weird might just be when everybody starts gossiping and complaining, you just walk away. Or even worse, throw like a positive bomb on a gossip. You ever like, you ever hear people just, just, just raw somebody like, I can't stand her. Oh, and another thing you'd be like, man, I really like her. Like, it's just like a bomb. It's gone. Like the gossip and the complaining is gone, uh, at least for the moment. And you walk away again. What's your weird? And so we said last week, 
that kind of where we started and just as a review was if we want what normal people have, which we said wasn't working, then we just should do what normal people do. If you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. But if you want what few people have, then do what few people do, the narrow road and the narrow path. And there's a scripture in Proverbs that, that I love and, 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 I, and I, I memorized early on in life and it, I always kind of use it as kind of a, a litmus test for my life. And I, I, I want to introduce it to you as we kind of finish, uh, continue the conversation this week in week two of our weird series. And it's Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. It says this, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is the way to death. I love this scripture because in this idea is like th- what, what the Bible is telling us is there's things that just make sense to us. There's things that inherently and in, 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 innately kind of go, oh, that makes sense. It seems right. I'm going to do it. Feels right. I'm going to do it. Seems right. I'm going to do it. And the Bible says there's a lot of those things that seem right, but in the end, it's going to lead to destruction. And even in this, this big giant road where most people are going, I think there's even a normal part of that where we're kind of going like, I don't, a lot of us are just trying to figure out how do we be married? How do we do life? How do we figure this out? And we're kind of going, hey, can anybody help me? And then you see this giant group heading a certain direction, right? You're like, well, I'm just trying to figure out life. Well, that's where everybody else is going. It just kind of makes sense, right? You just go. So most of us aren't like, I don't want to follow God. I want to go to destruction. We're just like, I'm just trying to figure this thing out. And everybody seems to be going this way. And I'm more lost than anybody else. Hey, where are we going? Don't know, but we're having fun heading there. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I see convoys on the, the road, like, you know, those military convoys or, or whatever, like, sometimes I just want to turn around and be like, hey, where are we going? Like, what are we doing? Like, what's, what, what, are, what are you guys up to? They'll never tell me. I, I'm not military. I don't have any clearance of any kind. Uh, I'm me. I mean, there's a lot of reasons they're not going to tell me. But I'm like, hey, where are we going? And I think life is that way where we're like, well, I don't really know where I'm going. You guys seem to know where you're going. So I'm just going to follow you. But we don't ask the question, where does this take us? Where, where does our marriage end up if we keep doing this? Where do our finances end up if we keep doing this? Where does, where, where does my joy and my sense of worth end up if I keep doing this? Where does my anger end up if I keep doing this? And so I want to I introduce you this week. What we want to talk about, again, want to keep it really simple, is the words of Jesus. And I think for some of us, maybe to demystify kind of a church word a little bit, because here's the invitation and here's, here's kind of the key and, 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 and the the words of Jesus saying, here's, here's the deal. And so Peter, the apostle Peter, wrote a letter, called, one of them's called First Peter, and he's quoting Jesus. And he says this really simple statement in First Peter chapter one. Uh, it says, for it is written, and, he, and he's talking, and talking about the words of God. He says, be holy. Somebody say holy. holy. Because I am holy. Now, Jesus is saying that. Be holy as I am holy. Now, I don't know your background. I grew up in, in church environment. And that word holy probably has been one of the more misunderstood words because typically when you think of holy, I don't know what, what your experience was with the word holy, but when I pictured holy, I always kind of got this idea of somebody who was morally exemplary, somebody who uh, was kind of better than other people, usually somebody who maybe looked down on people who didn't live as morally awesome as they did, kind of like they had these people who God just like had them on speed dial and they talked regularly uh, holy. Um, and, and in fact, we've even coined the term in our culture, whether you're part of church or not, this holier than thou, right? What do we mean when we describe, when somebody is described as holier than thou, is that like a compliment? Is that like an encouragement? No, it usually means one person is listening to me. Should we just like mail it in? Do you guys want to go home? Are you guys hungry? Okay. If you're online, there's way more than one person in here. It just doesn't feel like it right now. Um, Holy, dang, now there's two. Um, Thank you, Alyssa. Uh, 
Holy, holier than thou. No, what is holier than thou? Somebody who thinks they're better than other people and looks down their nose at other people, right? The problem is that's not the biblical meaning of holy. Holy is, and you don't need to know this part, comes from the, the Greek word hagios. You don't need to know that. But what it means is to be holy, pure, or set apart, or different. Here's what I love about the word holy is I've learned to redefine and reshape this. The set apart or holy, when I, one, of the, one of the ways I would explain it to you is think about the difference between your plastic plates you got from Walmart and the china from your grandma, right? Like, I'm guessing if you have both, how many, anybody got like nice hand-me-down like china or something from a, like a family heirloom? Yeah, like three people, same as last service. This is a great illustration. <laughs> Do you, don't steal my thunder. My question, do you ever use the china? No, you put it in its, most china, perfect, has its own separate case. You put it, and it's got a mirror in the background, a little light, and you'll look at the china, look at the china. It's like, hey, we're gonna have burgers and fries. Can we use the china? No, 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 don't use the china. <laughs> Go get the plastic Walmart plates, or better yet, the paper plates from Costco, or whatever, right? Well, what's, what's the difference? Well, one of them is made for everyday use, it's just normal, but, but one is this, like, has a special, unique kind of purpose made with delicate intricacy and is only meant to be used for special occasion or specific occasion. Well, guess what? You're, that's you. You are never meant to be like everybody. You don't have the value of a, of a 10 cent paper plate. You were created by the, the creator of this universe on purpose for a purpose. And, and, and to be holy, this idea of set apart is set apart is that's used. We don't, we don't just use that for anything that has extra value. It's made for something specific, made for something unique, made for th- something special. We only get that out at Christmas or at Thanksgiving or the New Year's party or Easter or, or whatever, however you guys, Fourth of July party. Probably not Fourth of July. Fireworks in China doesn't usually go well together. <laughs> Someone should try. Uh, so this idea of holy is not, it's not morally superior. It's set apart for something unique and specific with a specific design and a specific purpose. So when you understand that, first of all, you were made to be holy, it doesn't mean morally superior. It's that you have this crazy value where God, when he made you out of one out of like 100 billion people that have ever walked on the planet, he's saying, I have something unique and specific for you and you're not supposed to look and be an act and you don't serve the same purpose as everybody else. So you're holy. And so he's literally set you apart, set you aside for something better, something unique. And he wants you to enjoy that process and him to get glory in it. Isn't that brilliant? So when he says be holy, he's like, you're meant to be set apart, not necessarily morally superior. If he thought we could be morally superior, Jesus never would have come. But he's like, you guys suck at being moral. You're horrible at it. So I'm gonna send Jesus and I'll take care of that part. Like for real, just that's week four of this. You don't wanna miss it, but I, I digress. And so this idea of holy, when he says be holy, he's saying, remember, you're meant to be special. You're meant to be set apart. You don't belong on the normal path. You don't belong on the normal road. You don't operate normal things. Like stop following them and they don't know your design and your purpose and your function. You belong for something different. I love that. So you're not just, and, and this idea of, of, of this weird idea is not just, not just weird for weird sake or different for different sake, but it's better. I said, um, last week, and I'm convinced my, I say this all the time, I think following Jesus just makes you better at life and makes your life better. That's been my experience. I didn't say easier, but better. And usually more intrinsically than extrinsically. It doesn't mean we all get rich and never get sick and all that. It just means when we're not rich and we do get sick and our kids bum us out and our neighbors are crazy, we have a different way of going about it than the normal world. And so here's what I can tell you, and we'll dive into this. Those who are seriously following Jesus, following him, like I want to be a follower of Jesus, following his teachings, he's going to lead you off of this wide path, this big road, and he's going to pull you onto this narrow path. And 
It's going to set you apart. He will set you apart. You will be different. And because you're different, the rest of the normal world is going to think you are weird. weird. They're back online. I don't know if you heard that. They're all back. They're back. <laughs> and so we have to leave the big normal road. And here's what I can tell you is going to happen. When you're on the normal road, they're fine with whatever you do. But the minute you start to make that journey to the narrow road, guess what this crowd does? Hey, where are you going? What's that? You used to be fun. You used to be cool. Like, don't do that. What? We all do this together. You never used to do that. You always used to, hey, come over here. Hey, that's weird. Nobody's, hey, why are you doing that? What do you mean you're not? What do you mean you're not doing that anymore? What do you mean you're going to start going to the street? What do you mean you're going to stop cussing? What do you mean you're going to start loving your wife? What do you mean you're going to start giving money to the church? What do you, that's weird. That's weird. And they're like, don't do that. Come back. They're saying, come back. Because when you make that journey, you will face, and we face inevitably, this pressure to conform to the norm. Um, David writes about the, the King David, uh, the guy who wrote a lot of the Psalms, Psalm 69, he writes about this brilliantly, and he kind of gives us a heads up. He's like, this is how we can anticipate being treated and what we're going to have to deal with if we, t- if we take that narrow road. Psalm 69 First of all, he starts out in verse nine and says, this passion for your house consumes me. He's like, I'm all in. I'm, I'm following you. I want your word. I want your teaching. I can't get enough of you. It just consumes me. And he says, and now the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. He's like, people are saying stuff in your name and I don't like it. In fact, if you look at the origins of how he took down Goliath, he said, I'm maybe nothing, but I come in the name of God and your days are, your days are over, dude. He's like, I, 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 like people who say stuff, like David's basically like, you can say whatever you want about me and the Israelites. We ain't that awesome. But you don't talk about my God. Like I got five rocks that says we don't. <laughs> And I only need one. He says, falling on me. And then watch this. He says, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen as you make that journey. Verse 10, he, he's like, when I weep and I fast, they scoff at me. When do we usually weep and fast? When we're mourning, when we're sad, or when we need direction in life. So he's saying, when I'm at the, my most down desperate moments, rather than somebody encourage me, pick me up, they scoff at me. Verse 11, he says, when I dress in burlap to show my sorrow and grieve, they make fun of me. This next one's crazy, even kind of funny to me. He says, I'm the favorite topic of the town gossip and all the drunks sing about me. <laughs> I'm like, maybe I'm not weird enough. I don't have never had one drunk person be like, hey, I wrote a song about you last night, <laughs> but it's not good. It's called that weirdo Corey. Like, I, like he's like, like they get, they have a, they get about five, six drinks in at the tavern and they're like, let's write it. He writes Psalms. Well, let's write some songs ourselves about the psalmist. Oh yeah. Like that's crazy. Like we only know the songs David wrote in the Bible. We don't know what was sung about him, but apparently like he was a big, a big deal like back then. So um, the drunks, so he's, but what's he saying? He's like, there's just constantly, when I made that journey, there's this pull and this like, hey, like we don't like it that you're that way. He's just constantly reminded that he's different. In other words, David was constantly being pulled back in the bucket. What do I mean by that? You'll love this. This is a great illustration of exactly, I think, what happens. I don't know if you're, you've ever found or collected sand crabs. This is really fascinating. And we have them around here so you can try this. Next time you do, get a few sand crabs and just put them in a bucket or a tank and put some sand in it. Two, two really crazy things are going to happen. The sand crabs actually have the ability to get out. They'll hang out in there together, but they'll start to escape. And they will actually be able to get out, but they're, without fault, this is crazy. When one gets to the top and clamps the top and starts to get out, guess what all the other crabs in the bucket do? They grab, yeah, they grab them and pull them back down. It is the most bizarre thing. Like they're fine with whatever the crab does in the tank. They don't really care. Once in a while, they'll get at each other. But the minute that crab tries to get out the tank, they're all like, hey, where are you going? (laughs) 
It's like, hey, we don't really care what you do, but the minute you're going to try to get free, you're going to try to live the life, you're going to try to be somebody different, now all of a sudden, like, we need you down here with us. What a great metaphor for life. And why do sand crabs do that? We don't know. They can't talk. <laughs> but I still think it's a great picture of how life works. And so what... So, some of you, as silly as that is, all you're going to remember is don't, don't get caught in the bucket. Don't stay in the bucket. Because the minute you make a change in your marriage, your finances, I've already said it. All the crabs who were like, oh, you're like, we love having you here. They're like, no, 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 get back in here. Get back in here. Get back in here. And some of you, that's the fight you're dealing with, whether it's an in-law, an outlaw, a child, a friend, a coworker, a parent, a former best friend. It's like, bro, we were frat bros together. It's like, yeah, where did that get us? I'm 50, dude. Like, I got old. Like, I'm trying not to be. By the way, they talk about the fact that you still go to the parties and you're older than all their dads. You know what I mean? Like, like at some point, you got to get off that road. And so let me just talk real quick with a little bit of time we have left. There's two barriers. I'll go quick through these. There's kind of two barriers that you're going to have to, that we're going to face. Two poles that we have to face to get off the normal road, to get out of the bucket, to get onto the, 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 the narrow road. And, and one is an inward pull and the other is an outward pull. And so the first one I want to talk about, the first thing that the barrier to the road to weird, the inward pull is this need to please. Some of us are consumed with a need to please. And the who is different for all of us, but we all have it. There's some applause, there's some voice, there's somebody's approval that just means more to us than anybody else. Maybe it's, again, boss, kids, Parents, step parent, husband, ex wife, neighbors, uh, frat bros, I don't know, like whatever it is, there's, and we wouldn't maybe admit it, but there's something where if they're around, all of a sudden we start making decisions and we go, why did I do that? And it's because they were around and I needed them to be like, she's awesome, he's awesome. And maybe for some of you, it's just four million strangers that you just need a like button on the Facebook or the Instagram, be like, I just need the world to think I'm awesome. This, there's a need to please in all of us. And it's, here's the thing. In and of itself, it's not a horrible thing. It's God-given. But where we direct it is, is, the, is the deal breaker. And so who's the loudest voice in your life? Again, you grew up in church long enough. We talk about things like playing for an audience of one. Because um, inevitably, we're all going to have to make the decision, am I going to please the crowd? Am I going to please man? Or am I going to please God? I haven't found yet where those paths go the same direction or they even look at all the same. And so we have to make this decision. Who, whose voices mean the most? And some of us, again, I grew up in the 90s and that was the WWJD bracelet movement. My senior picture has it on there, even though it didn't match my shirt, proud of it, like weird, whatever. Um, but some of us don't suffer from WWJD, but we have the WWPT. It paralyzes us. What will people think? What will, people, what will they think if we go to that church? What will they think if we move and downsize our house or move into the hood, not out of the hood? Or what will they think if we start serving or we start giving? Or we, what will they think if I say no to the party or I, so we stop drinking because every time we drink, we get, it's not good. What will they, what will they think if we, we say, oh, we don't go to those movies? Or what will they think if, if, he, if I tell him he really likes me, but I tell him, like, I'm, like, saving all of it for marriage. Like, what will he think? Like, what will they, what will they think? And, and I love this. There's a great scripture, again, in Proverbs. Like, Solomon's, like, knocking that out of the park this weekend. Um, in Proverbs 29, it says this, fear of man, and fear of man is not just like terrified, but it's, it's the, the desire to approve, to approve and approve. Like the fear of man is like, I need your approval. It says this, will prove to be a snare. Somebody say snare. Yeah. This is gonna be really good. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. 
Now that word snare, you don't need to know the Hebrew word for it. It's not important. But that word snare is not actually necessarily a trap. Like you, a lot of your versions will say, that word snare in the original language was um, connected to uh, this big thick ring that they would put through the nose of like a bull or a boar or a cow and they would literally hook it into the nose. Now, animals are not that much different than us. I don't know if you've ever been picked, prodded, or hit here. This is a really sensitive part of your body. And so what they found is they could put a ring in an 800-pound bull and put a chain or a string in it, and a 95-pound junior high girl, 95-pound soaking wet, could make that bull go wherever she wanted. Why? And when the Bible says that pleasing people is a snare, what it means is it doesn't matter how big you are, how bad you are, how strong you are, how much you can lift, what your bank account says, how many degrees you have, what your acumen is. What it says is when we live for the the approval and, and the fear of man, that even the smallest of tug just completely directs our lives. And I'm telling you, if I put something in your nose, I could, I could make you do whatever I wanted with the slightest tug. Why? Because it's like, and the Bible says us living for the approval and, and the applause of men is literally like having a ring around our nose. And even the smallest pull from the weakest person is like, I guess I'm going this way now. He says, but if you get rid of that ring and you trust the Lord, you're kept safe. How would I be kept safe? Well, guess where you're probably getting pulled if you have a snare? The road to destruction. And they're gonna be like, welcome to the club. You're like, thanks, I always needed to fit in and belong. And Jesus would say, let me show you where you really belong. You're meant to be holy. I set you apart for something different. If you'll get in my words and you'll trust me and you'll get into my teaching and you'll read what I say about you, you'll find more value and you'll find more of what you're looking for in me than that world could ever offer. And I'm never going to yank you by the nose. I'm going to lead you lovingly by the hand. Amen. And, but we have, to, we have to be honest and get real with who am I trying to please? What, of what crowd, what approval means the most to me? There's a great example of this that I thought would only be fitting to share with you this week because football started this week. Um, not real football, it's practices for guys who are gonna get cut in the NFL, but we call it preseason. Um, but they, uh, there was recently a document on the quarterback position and they highlighted a few different individuals, but one was Kirk Cousins. And if you don't know Kirk Cousins, he played at Michigan State. Uh, he's uh, not a great quarterback, but he's not a bad quarterback. He's not in the top, but he makes millions of dollars. Uh, and last year, the Vikings had one of the best records. He's a quarterback for the Vikings, had one of the best records in the NFL. Um, and uh, hosted the playoffs against the Giants, who they had already beat, and they were supposed to win. You also need to know about Kirk Cousins is he's different. He's not living the celebrity life. He's not living the party life. He's not living the lavish life. He's 100% sold out to following Jesus. He's raising two boys that he knows are looking to him as an example of manhood and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so he's more dedicated to that than he is the life of a celebrity. He lives a humble life. They dress modest. They live modest. They look normal, like ordinary to us. And why? Because for him, he, even though 80,000 people and 30 to 50 million people watch every single game of his, those voices don't matter that much to him because he goes home to a wife and some boys and ultimately the voice of of a heavenly father who he knows I'm playing, I'm living for you. Why do I say that? Because I want to show you a picture of his life. This is right after the playoff lost to the Giants at home. They should have beat him. 80,000 people in there, 33.8 million watched. That's a lot of crowd. I can't imagine doing anything where 30,000 people watching going, Kirk, yeah, go. And what you're going to see is within two hours, after he'll say the greatest loss and the greatest failure of his career, in the playoffs, what celebrities and rich people and, and, and celebrities do when they win something big, they go party hard. <laughs> do you know what happens when they lose something? They party even harder. They drink and do drugs and gamble and do whatever and look at whatever so they can forget and numb the pain. 
But Kirk isn't on this path. He's on this narrow path. And rather than go do that, he waited for his wife, got in the car, had a normal conversation, like normal people, not that normal, but like not celebrity people, goes home to be a dad and a husband. At the very end of this, you're going to see the secret to Kirk's success. And I applaud Netflix for not cutting this part out. I want to show you what it looks like to live weird when even though you might have or not have the applause or criticism of all of the men, what it looks like to know I'm playing for an audience of one. It's kind of a cruel reality of this business, but you know, it, it hurt to walk off of our field in front of our fans after the season we had and, and, and not won that game. I can't speak for Kirk, really, because he's always wants to be careful about assuming that we're going to win, but I definitely thought we were going to win. Yeah, it hurts, it hurts. Um, I'm probably missing one, but this is probably the toughest loss I've had in my career. So it hurts. You know, we'll uh, keep working, and I uh, will continue to have the goal that someday I'm standing here talking to you all, and it's a much, much bigger stage. So thank you. <sighs> frustrating. Really, really frustrating. Oh, I forgot. It's trash night. All righty. It's usually about this time when you start feeling all the pains from the game. You just walk around your house and you're like, ooh, that hurts. Turner, that was awesome. The fact that you let Cooper go to the game in your every place. Time, every time he wants to go, I want him to go. My mom wants him to go. That was so nice of you. Turner, that was so nice of you. Mom, I want to go again. Wow, so you stayed home and watched the game with Mimi? Yeah. Did you know if we won or lost? We won. No, we lost. You want to go read with Dad? No, I want to read. Let's go read we, some books. We got 24 and the other kids got 31. That's why we lost. Can we do that? Can we read some books? Let's do the book of uh, why in Sports Illustrated. Yeah. Let's do that. That was a good one. Why do the Detroit Lions and the Dallas Cowboys always host a game on Thanksgiving? Why are some tennis players considered clay court specialists? Why does the NFL have so many rules against hitting quarterbacks? In the NFL, the quarterback is by far the most important player. An injury to the quarterback can sink a team's entire season. Did you know the season-ending knee injury that Tom Brady suffered in the first game of the 2008 season led to a ban on hitting quarterbacks below the knee? And Dad is forever grateful. Okay. You comfy? All right, you should sleep well tonight because you didn't get a great nap and it's 9 o'clock. All righty. Ready to sing and pray? On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Jesus, thanks for uh, today. Thanks for protecting Dad in his football game and through this football season. Um, thanks that Cooper was able to be there tonight and watch. And um, thanks for Mommy and for Turner, for the great family we have. And God, we uh, continue to just give the days ahead to you and trust you for uh, what's up ahead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, buddy, you good? Okay, sleep well, love you. 
I don't know about you, but I don't know too many pro athletes, celebrities, let alone normal dudes, who arguably on the worst day of their career, the most disappointing loss, can set that aside and within an hour or two go home and remember what's more important and be a husband, go into a bathroom and pretend that he's not experiencing tremendous pain, have an oldest child like every family does to remind him three times they lost. <laughs> and instead of go, I need time. This is a rough day. I need to be by myself. What did he know? I need to be with my boys. And he ended that day like he ends almost every day whenever he's home, no matter what, to sing a worship song and pray because there's two boys that are gonna wanna be like dad. And of all the songs he could have sang that day, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. He may not be the greatest quarterback in the NFL, but he might be the greatest man in the NFL. What an inspiration he is. And I, I show you that not to say we should all be Vikings fans, because I won't, although I'm a big Kirk Cousins fan. Some, well, a lot of Bears and Packers here down here, so I'm not trying to convert y'all. But that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like to go, 33 million people watched, 80,000 were there. But I'm going to go home to the three voices that matter more than them, and I'm going to talk about and to the one that matters even more than those three. But the applause, the need to please, who am I out to please? Jesus. If you watch, and I'm not endorsing the documentary, if you watch it, he's the only one going, God darn it. Come on, guys. He's just different. He's weird. They're modest. They don't drink. He doesn't cuss. And he's an uber alpha male leader. It doesn't have to be either or. That's what it looks like, fellas, ladies. Who are we trying to please? What would people think? What would God think? The inner pole is that need to please. The second one and I'll finish with this quickly, is the outer pole. I could probably talk ad nauseum about this, but the outer pole is criticism. The Bible would probably call it persecution. That not only this, I want to please people, but then it's like, what are they going to say? Get back in the bucket. What are they going to post? What's going to be the latest hub scuttlebutt about me in the office if I stop doing that and start doing this and I do this and we say our relationship's going to be like this and we're going to start all this is the criticism, the criticism, the criticism. And, and I know that it's real. I'm going to show you the words of Jesus in a minute, but let me give you some advice that has really, really helped me. Why, we, why do we consider criticism from people we would never take advice from? And most of the criticism, you, that eliminates like 98% of them, if not 100. And so first of all, like the criticism, it's, it, we, we shouldn't consider. But, but secondly, we should actually know that it's coming when we choose this path. How should we know that? Because the words of Jesus in John chapter 15 say this. He's talking to us and he's talking to his disciples. He says, if the world, the normal, the big path, if it hates you, just remember it hated me first. And if you belong to the world, listen to this. It would love you as its own. If you were on the path, they'd be like, one of us, one of us. But because you don't, as it is, you don't belong to the world. I've chosen you and you've chosen out of the world. That is why the world hates you. And then he says this, verse 20, BT dub. If they criticize me and they persecute me, they're going to persecute and criticize you. So for us who choose, we need to know this. When we choose to follow Jesus, it's better. It's full of life. However, criticism, it's not might not come. It's coming. It's coming. 
And so we have to choose not to let it make us bitter and hurt and be like, well, have fun on the path to hell then, losers. Like, we can't do that. Some of you grew up in that religious environment. It feels good for a minute. It doesn't really work, and it doesn't line up with Jesus at all. We have to understand it's coming, and we have to have the heart of Jesus on the cross. He says, Father, just forgive them because they don't really know what they're doing. He says they're going to do it. And so for me, what I've learned, and kind of a, a, a litmus test secret for me is, I don't worry when they criticize me for being weird. I start to worry when they don't. If I've been criticized for a minute, maybe I'm a lot more normal than I want to be, than I'm called to be. Maybe I am more that Walmart plastic plate, and I'm called to be that China. Maybe I do have a nose ring in. Because Jesus said this also in Matthew 5. Blessed are you, fortunate are you, who are persecuted because of righteousness or following me. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He goes on in verse 11 says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Verse 12, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Great is your reward. And so simply put, what do we do with criticism? Let me just give you a little thing that is really hard but, but helps. You're never going to be able to please everyone. You're just not. But you can please God. I can't please everyone, but I can't please God. Super candidly, transparently, I'm aware that I let people down every weekend I get on the stage. Guess what? I love you, but I listen to him. And so I'll come back next week and I'll be me and I'll do it again. Why? Because my job, I'm not trying to do anything other than feed you. And if you have a problem with me, I'll just count it as a reward in heaven. I got to play for an audience of one. Now, let me help you with this. This is not just a decision you make. This is a decision you manage the rest of your life. You don't get, there's no magic prayer where like, oh, guess what? Criticism doesn't bother me and I don't want to please anybody else. Thanks for that message, pastor. Like, thanks for praying for me. Like, I'm good the rest of my life. Every day you have to make a conscious decision. I'm playing for an audience of one and I'm not going to let their criticism drag me into the bucket and I'm also not going to let them make me hurt and bitter and, and, and ugly like this world is. Can't please everyone, but I can please God. I forgot to say this earlier, but, but this has helped me so much that becoming obsessed with what other people think about me is the easiest and quickest way to forget what God thinks about me. When I get so wrapped up in that, I quickly forget who God says I am and what he says I am. Close with this scripture. Paul, the apostle, wrote this in Galatians. He's kind of appealing to a group kind of like maybe I am right now. And he says this, am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? And this is what he says in Galatians 1.10. If I were still trying to please men, I could not and would not be a servant of Christ. What Paul's saying is there's no, there's no foot in each camp on this thing. You're either on the normal path leading to destruction, but you're in the crowd. They're chanting your name. Or you're on this narrow, weird path, but it leads to life and joy and fulfillment and satisfaction. And the world's not going to understand, but it's okay. Take heart. I've overcome the world. And so as we close, I just want to ask you to kind of just look inside your heart for a minute. Where, where do you find yourself on the, on the heels of this message? Is there a, perhaps a crowd, an audience, a specific person or people that you're like, man, their, their approval means way too much? Maybe you're here and you've never submitted or surrendered your life to Jesus. We're like, I want to get on this path. I'll tell you, you got to come for week four because we're going to break down how this whole thing would work. The weirdest way to save the world. It's going to be awesome. But, but I want to pray for just a couple groups of people here. We're just going to all pray together. Maybe you're here listening or maybe you're somewhere online and you would say, 
man, there's a whole lot more normal in my life than there should be. But I want more of God. I want to be on this path. I want more of God. I know I, I want. Pastor, will you pray for boldness? Will you pray for courage? If that's you, we're going to pray for you in just a second. That's one. And then there's a second group. Maybe it's like, man, I'm just, I am, I can't handle criticism. I'm almost paralyzed. I, I, there's so many people I'm trying to please. And, but I just know that I am not on the right path. I, I'm kind of afraid that if I fully surrender my, God, my life to God, like what's he going to ask me to do and how weird do I have to be? But I know that what I'm doing isn't working and it's leading to destruction. And I'm ready today to say yes to Jesus and get off the normal destructive path and get on the narrow path full of life. And so if either of those are you, if, if you resonate with either of those things, I'm following Jesus, but there's more normal than there should be, or man, I'm not, but I want to start following Jesus. I'm just going to ask you real quick, just put your hand in the air. We're all going to pray together. Leveling playing field. I see those hands. Yeah, hands, hands, hands. It's cool. This is really about what's going on in your heart. I'll leave you with this thought. Is there a change you need to make in your schedule, in your regiment, in your thought process, in your, what do you need to do to get off that normal path? And so for everybody who raised their hands or even the people who didn't but wanted to, I'm just gonna lead you in a really, really simple prayer that covers all of it. So I wanna invite you just to say this prayer with me as we close, if you would. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love, your grace, and your patience. Jesus, I wanna follow you. I'm willing to get off the normal path. I don't wanna go to destruction. I want life. So I submit and I surrender my life to you. There's been way too much normal. I want the good weird that you have for me. Thank you for Jesus. Give me your power to live this thing out. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you. I'm tired of normal. I want what you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, a couple things real quick as we close. Uh, it's the same two things I say every single week. So if you come here often, you know what I'm gonna say. First of all, um, this is true for online as well. If you need prayer for anything, we have a ministry team in our prayer room. It could be connected to this message or not. We'd love to just listen to you, pray with you. We also have an online prayer room. Um, secondly, and more importantly, perhaps, is if you've never given your life to Jesus and you said that prayer for the very first time, we want to welcome you. We want to connect with you. We want to celebrate with you. And there's, we want you to maximize all there is to this. And the best and easiest way to do that is for you to text the word KPS on your phone just to 94000. You're going to get a text, a video, and we want to help you experience all that God has for you. Just know this, your pastor really, really loves you. I want what's best for you. I'm so glad that you gave us a part of your week to worship with us, to dive into scripture with us. And uh, if it's okay with you, I say, let's all go be a little more weird in a God way together this week. Amen. Love you guys. We'll see you next week.